NBA Draft Week, and John Krasinski is going to tell us about the 18 trades the Timberwolves are going to make before the draft and the next 12 trades they're going to make after the draft because all NBA trade rumors are accurate. That's what we've learned uh, from mass media in the last couple of decades. No, seriously, we'll talk about the NBA draft. We'll talk about what the Wolves want. We'll talk about Tim Connolly. And we'll talk about the Golden State Warriors. We'll talk about Durant and Kyrie. There's a lot to go, lot to get to here uh, on the John Krasinski Show with, your your guess is right, the star John Krasinski. John, where do you want to start today? Yeah, I, I just think, Jim, now we're recording this on Tuesday. The draft uh, is on Thursday. And in just talking to people, not only with the Wolves, but around the league, there is a very palpable sense that uh, it, th- there's going to be some fireworks either heading right into the draft or on draft night. I, I just get the feeling that given the way that this draft shakes out, the way that there are several teams, I think, especially in the Western Conference, who are trying to solidify themselves and and really brace for what is going to be a bloodbath of a season next year with uh, with a lot of players returning to health and all of that, those things, that there's a real potential for there to be a lot of wheeling and dealing, a lot of kind of, you know, fairly significant trade action that gets people really kind of jumping out of their seat. Now, will the Timberwolves be a part of that or not? I'm not sure, but um, you just, you know, everyone that I talk to around the league, Hey, how's it going this week? What's happening? And it's basically, you know, responding of just like, man, it's wild out there just in terms of some of the things that are going on and some of the conversations that are being had. So um, I think it's going to be a really fun next couple of days, a really busy next couple of days. And we'll just kind of see, um, see how this whole thing shakes out. What draft or trade rumor intrigues you the most, or do you find the most credible either way or both, uh, at this juncture? So I will say from a, from a league wide standpoint, um, I, I think that the whole Kyrie situation has the potential to be a huge domino and so Sham Sharania from The Athletic reported yesterday that uh, that the Nets and, and Irving are at an impasse and that there could be other options considered for Kyrie Irving, whether it's the Knicks, whether it's the Lakers, whether it's somebody, the Clippers, somebody else for him. And so when a player of that talent, and obviously he brings all sorts of baggage from a reliability slash headache standpoint, all of that stuff that every team has to consider, but he is an otherworldly talent. And so if there is a chance that he becomes available, I think that that really has a a possible impact on what um, other deals might happen or what other conversations are going on. For instance, just for instance, let's say that a team that is in contender status was at least dipping the toe in the water for D'Angelo Russell. Let's just say that they're just looking, Hey, maybe, you know, Hey, here's a high scoring point guard um, has a, you know, can play make, can do a lot of good things for you is going into the last year of his deal. All the, all these things. Let's, let's, let's explore that. Let's look around and see what it might take. Um, And, but then there is, wait a minute, hold on. Kyrie Irving might be available. Like what's going on here? So that, that team could shift gears 
and really try and do homework and and see if Kyrie Irving is a possibility before they go any further down the road on a D'Angelo Russell uh, possible offer or anything like that. Now, I will say that there are most people around the league seem to believe that eventually Kyrie Irving and Brooklyn will sort of figure their stuff out and that the, you know, Kyrie Irving can make the most money in Brooklyn, um, can have the best chance to win in Brooklyn, all of those things. And so that, you know, that, that the likelihood of him moving to another team is on the low end. Uh, but anytime that you have someone that talented that might be available, you have to kind of exhaust all options before, you really look hard at um, kind of going to a plan B because plan A is pretty tantalizing. My next question will be about Capella. Let's uh, reintroduce the show. This is John Krasinski's show, part of TalkNorth.com. Follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod. Find all the shows and the archives of all the shows at TalkNorth.com. Or as we recommend, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton, and our sponsors, TSR Injury Law and All Energy Solar. Uh, and thanks again for listening to the network. We do appreciate it. We continue to grow. Uh, what do you think of the Capella rumors? Uh, I, I really like the fit of a possible Clint Capella, Carl Anthony Towns front court. I think Capella, you know, and and remember, like with someone like this, it might possibly be a situation where if he were to come in, they wouldn't play necessarily all the time together in the front court, but certainly he would give the Timberwolves a lot more uh, flexibility, versatility with how they can match up with bigger front courts. I mean, this team obviously got pounded on the defensive glass all season long, and they have to find a way to increase their rebounding, increase their rim protection so that they can end possessions much sooner than they did this season. It's kind of remarkable, Jim, how much improvement they made defensively and how they climbed the defensive rating charts, even despite struggling on the defensive glass as much as they did. And then obviously it became just a huge thing in the Memphis Grizzlies series in terms of Brandon Clark just totally wrecking them in that in that category. And so Capella is a super active big. It, it He is a guy who can run the floor. He, he doesn't need a lot of touches. He doesn't need a lot. You know, you're not running post up possessions for him and things like that. He's a dirty work guy and he protects the rim. And so um, I, I think that's a, a, a really intriguing option for the Wolves to look at. As far as I know, to this point, I don't think that there have been any super substantive conversations about Clint Capella with the Timberwolves. I think that there's interest from the Timberwolves in exploring what it would take to get someone like Clint Capella, but I don't think that there's anything down the road. Obviously, it's always dangerous to even put out a podcast um, these days because within the next five minutes, there could be a phone call that changes the tenor of, of all of those things. But as we are recording Tuesday morning at 9.42 a.m., I don't think that anything is close or imminent with Clint Capella and the Timberwolves, but it's absolutely something that I think the Timberwolves should explore and see if there is some common ground that they can find to get a deal like that because he would fit in great here in Minnesota. What would a 
possible. You know, I know a lot of fans like to construct uh, fantasy trades that the other team would never accept. What's a realistic offering that the Timberwolves could make that would actually bring Capella back? Yeah, the kind of the, the one of the intriguing things about Clint Capella is he's not making twenty eight million dollars. Um, his 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 contract uh, is is fairly reasonable for what for the production that he brings. So, um, you know, he's, he's going to have a chance to uh, it, it's an easier contract to match. And so then you're looking at something like Malik Beasley and pieces, something like, uh, you know, maybe you throw in Leandro Balmero or something like that, or, or some, some draft pick compensation, because one thing that we know is that, the Timberwolves, or excuse me, the Hawks are really looking to um, kind of change up their roster. They were disappointing last year coming off of an Eastern Conference Finals run and then really falling flat. And so they want to make some big changes. John Collins is the uh, is the guy that everyone kind of projects to move, but I think Capella is in that conversation as well. So he makes, next year he makes around $18 million, then it's $20 million, then it's $22 million over the next three years, that's not bad at all for a guy of his productivity. And so you could you know, use Beasley and Balmero or Beasley and, uh, and a few other pieces, and it wouldn't be hard to get to that close to that number to make that happen. Um, obviously, if you were to part with Malik Beasley in any kind of a trade for Capella or anyone else, you're losing quite a bit of shooting and you need to find, find a way to gain some of that back. But I think that Beasley you know, is is one of those players that you could look hard at and say, um, can we find another option uh, that that is a reasonable facsimile of him and and see if you can get some talent in return? Because he does have a market out there from teams who are interested in bringing in a 40% three-point shooter who works really hard. And so um, that's, you know, that's just spitballing something that I that I would look at and say, you know, maybe maybe that's it. Maybe you include one or two of those second round picks, or I, I don't know if you include the first round pick at all with with a with a Beasley for Capella. But um, there's there's many ways that you can get to it that are well within the Timberwolves' ability to pull off of a, a an offer. Do you think Beasley, Balmero, and two seconds gets it done? It's possible, Jim. I I don't know. Um, I don't know what exactly the Hawks want sure. in, in return, but um, certainly if you can add a shooter like Beasley, you can add you know a, a young player with some upside like Balmero and a pick or two in the second round that they could either package and move forward with or or draft some draft and stash some guys or whatever it is. Um, I do think that that is a compelling offer. Um, the, what are the, what's the rest of the market for Capella like out there? I'm not sure, but, uh, but I, I think that that is a pretty solid, uh, offer that would at least make the Atlanta Hawks think about it and, and look hard at it and see what their other options are. So that to me, like that's, that's definitely worth looking at. Yeah. Um, we have tons of stuff up at the talk website. We have lots of outdoor content. We've added Dave Lee of WCCO fame. If you like basketball, I recommend the Cheryl Reeves show and Mike Grimm's Go Gopher podcast. If you like uh, 
here in John. Uh, John and I have both been covering and watching the Vikings for many combined decades. We do the Viking Update show to get to, together. We have Jeff Diamond. We now are up to four hockey shows now that we have the Pross Box. Uh, check it all out at TalkNorth.com. We do appreciate it. And, and, and thanks to one of our biggest sponsors across our platform, TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME. It's all you really need to know if you're injured, 612-TSR-TIME. They have grown their business to the point where they are in beautiful, spacious offices in a new beautiful building in Bloomington. Uh, they got there by winning cases. They don't charge you unless they win your case. They win a lot of cases. 612-TSR-TIME. 612-TSR-TIME. And as a reminder, solar is a great home improvement project. It's great for the environment. It will, over time, be great for your pocketbook. It'll be great for your property resale value. If you do plan to move at some point, installing solar increases your resale value. Some facts to consider Buyers consider electric bills when buying a home. Installing solar panels is viewed as an upgrade. Average increase in resale value is $4,000 to about $6,000 for each one kilowatt of power. Homes with solar often sell faster than those without, and you get 100% return on solar investment upon home sale. Go to allenergysolar, allenergysolar.com. Check out incentives, check out deals, check out what solar can do for you, allenergysolar.com. And if you'd like to uh, join our growing list of sponsors across the network, you can reach Karen Cleary at K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at talknorth.com. Ty Ty Washington, to me, is like the most logical person for the Timberwolves to to end up with. Uh, What's your view on that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, that would certainly be an intriguing uh, addition, especially if you think that D'Angelo Russell's time here is 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 low, whether it's one more year or whether it's a couple more weeks. Um, bringing in another point guard that has some size, uh, has some playmaking ability, can shoot it a little bit, uh, comes from obviously a great program. That that makes a lot of sense because y- you could even even if D'Angelo Russell stays and you don't extend him, and there's a chance that you lose him either at the trade deadline or next summer, uh, you want to have someone waiting in the wings that might be ready to take over. And um, let's just say that you that you uh, were going to trade D'Angelo Russell. Still, that, that's asking a lot for a, a rookie point guard, 19, 20 years old, to come in and, uh, and start a, at that position on a team that wants to not only get to the playoffs, but do something in the playoffs. And so there's a lot to make sense of adding someone like him to the roster and just letting him develop for a year or two. I mean, they did that. Tim Conley did that in Denver with guys like Monty Morris, who really like they brought in early, got him some playing time, and then he earned more. And now he's an integral part of what the Nuggets are doing. And I could see that kind of a situation for a guy like Ty Ty Washington or another point guard that the Wolves really like that maybe fits maybe a little bit more of what Chris Finch wants to do from an offensive standpoint in terms of getting the ball up the floor a little bit quicker, moving it and, 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 um, and, and, and scoring at, at a quicker pace. Like that's, that's a, it's a very reasonable option for me I think if the Wolves stay at 19 to look point guard whether D'Angelo Russell is here or not if uh what other names do you like yeah. is either someone who could fall to the Timberwolves and mm-hmm. be a pleasant surprise or somebody else who would be just logical to take if they yeah, don't so, um, if I had a piece, like Washington 
Sure, sure. Um, had a piece up uh, w- uh, with Sam Vecini, the athletics kind of draft guru um, the, from yesterday. And one of the names that we talked a lot about um, was the uh, was EJ Liddell, who is at Ohio State. He's I, I, I want to call him a big man, even though he's only around six, 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 seven. Um, but he plays really big. He's got very long arms. He's super active from a defensive standpoint, from a rim protection standpoint, rebounding. He's kind of a rugged Ohio State kind of Big Ten power forward with a shot selection or with a shooting stroke that is improving. So Sam really likes the fit of EJ Liddell with Carl Anthony Towns, with Jaden McDaniels, with Anthony Edwards, um, just as a kind of a hustle guy who could really give them some muscle and some activity in that spot. And there is a belief among Sam and others who who follow this stuff closer than I do that Liddell can be a legitimate rim protector. Um, so even if he is not, you know, your uh your your carbon copy seven foot uh shot eraser, he still has the instincts and the explosiveness and the long arms to really affect shots at the rim. And and so, you know, given that I, I always try to you know connect dots between you know a, a a team or a regime that is making the picks and and kind of the players that are coming available and Liddell kind of feels like a Paul Millsap type player to me um, and Millsap obviously has had a big role in Denver uh, for for several years kind of an undersized but defensively stout. Uh, power forward who can really shoot it. I think obviously shoots it better than than Liddell does right now. But but that's a name who that is projected to be in that 17, 18, 19, 20 range who I think will be on the board. So if the Wolves do not go for someone like Washington and they are looking to more address their rebounding deficiencies and their size deficiencies, um, just EJ Liddell is a guy that really does stick out to me as one that that would sure seem like he would fit pretty well. Um, another name that is, you know, kind of you, you you say a little bit in jest, but not really is there's a, uh, a Serbian named Nikola Jovic. Yep. I knew we we're going to get there. <laughs> and and, you know, obviously, you know, we can we can make the connections with Jokic um, in, in Denver. But Jovic is 6'11". He can pass the ball. He can shoot it. He's kind of he's multi-talented. He feels like a little bit taller Jaden McDaniels from an offensive skill approach set, uh, uh, standpoint. So we'll see, you know, if that's, if that redundancy would be any kind of a concern for the wolves, but that's just another guy who I look at, who I, again, I think is very realistic to be down in that 19, 20, 21, 22 range. And I think that the wolves would have a chance to select him if they were, if they stick there at 19. So that's just another name that I'm looking at and thinking that's kind of intriguing, not just because his name matches uh, Nikola Jokic almost letter for letter, <laughs> but he certainly does have an intriguing skill set uh, that, you know, that has been known to be valued by Tim Connolly. And so it's just, that's another name I'm watching kind of closely. So Jared Vanderbilt, an overachiever, an excellent rebounder. Uh, it's interesting that his 
primary skill is rebounding, and yet the Wolves are desperately looking for more rebounding. Uh, is the idea that he would end up being a bench and role player uh, if they could get Capella or if they drafted somebody like Liddell? I mean, what what's his future look like? Yeah, I mean, I, here's the thing, like, with, with Vanderbilt um, – he, yeah, incredible rebounder, really, especially on the offensive end mm-hmm. uh, of the equation. Uh, he averaged actually more offensive rebounds last year than he did defensive rebounds per game. And so that's where he's been just devastating for the Wolves in that category. And and so having him being, you know, back in the fold and doing that, like, I, I think there's a lot of upside to having him on the roster. He's on a great contract. So you could absolutely easily slide him into more of a bench role, more of a kind of a, a an energy guy off of the bench if you wanted to. Um, if you brought in Liddell, if you brought in Capella, if you brought in a, a, a bigger dude for the front court with Carl Anthony Towns. But the other part that I do think people are discounting a little bit is Jared Vanderbilt's still only 23 years old. He doesn't turn 24 until next April. He's incredibly young, both as a just as a person, as a human being, but also really young in terms of basketball. Because remember, he only his first couple of years, he played like 20 games total in his first two years because of uh, the injuries and working his way back from some foot injuries. And so it's really only in these last two years that he played 64 games in 2020, 2021, and then 74 last year. And so I think there's just a lot of upside and improvement that he can show. Obviously, you'd like to see a little more of a shooting element. You'd like to see a little, you know, better hands and catching the ball in traffic and things like that. But, um, you know, I, I think that there's still a leap for Vanderbilt to make as a player. And so even if, they do draft a big or you know, trade for a big or bring in another big to the roster. I still look at Vanderbilt as a guy that you could hold on to and a, maybe he just outworks somebody and, and wins the starting spot or B you can just kind of continue to develop him in little smaller sections. And maybe in another year or two down the road, maybe he has a little bit more versatility uh, and depth to his game. And he becomes an even bigger part of what the Timberwolves are trying to do. Everyone loves him on the team. He's an incredibly hard worker. They all know what he's been through to get to this point. And so that's an important part of it as well, is that he's got a lot of people who think really highly of him in that locker room. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up on him by any means. Um, but I, I would still like look to add players that, have skill sets that complement what he does and you know certainly defensive rebounding and some sort of efficiency from an offensive perspective would both be very welcome as complements to Jared Vanderbilt maybe rather than just completely uh taking him out of the rotation Chet Holmgren will be the latest uh, Minnesota product to go fairly high in the draft uh where do you think he goes and what do you think of him as an NBA prospect I mean, I, I, I'm not going to be sort of breaking any new ground here, um, but I'm in the same boat as seem, seemingly everyone else. I, I love, love, love his talent. I love his skill set. I love the way that he can handle the ball in the open court. 
the way that he his defensive instincts are off the charts for a player of his age. Um, and I and then the other thing that I think not enough people talk about Jim is like he's got a legitimate swagger to him, like a legitimate attitude about him that I think will translate and and will allow him to hit whatever ceiling he has. And the only thing that gives anyone pause, including myself, is, man, his body is just different. Like, it's he's seven feet tall. He's under 200 pounds. And it's just weird to look at him on a court and the way that he is this all, you know, knees and elbows and ankles and he's just kind of flying around out there. If you talk to people who know him well, they very much push back on the idea of him as kind of a weakling, him as kind of a, you know, a, a spindly guy who's going to be moved around easily. They all say that, hey, look, this guy can actually, uh, you know, bench a little bit. He works out really hard. He's stronger than you think. And so if he's able to stay healthy, and put on weight and muscle and 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 stand up to the physical nature of the league, I think he can be the best player in this draft by a considerable margin. It's just like I, I do think that some teams are very concerned about that part of it and him staying healthy and not getting overwhelmed physically. Where does he go? It's definitely top three, one, two, or three. I I would I would say that I would guess that he goes number two to Oklahoma city. I think Orlando might take Jabari Smith number one. Um, and then, then it goes Holmgren and then Bancaro going to Houston. Uh, that's where I would put my money. But I do think that there is a scenario where he goes number one. There's a scenario where he slips to number three and goes there. Uh, but I mean, from, from a player and personality standpoint, I, I couldn't be much higher on what he could possibly be in the NBA. It's just a matter of will he be able to hold up physically over an 82 game season um, with grown men playing, you know, at 280 pounds and and kind of throwing their weight around. That's that's going to be the thing to watch. But I would have a hard time passing up on him, Jim. I just think, you know, the the, the possibilities of hitting a grand slam with that pick uh, if, if you get it right and if he does stay healthy. Uh, that would that that could be one that haunts anyone who who doesn't uh, look at that and 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 really take that into consideration. One last topic here. Good stuff from John as always. I'm looking forward to our post draft show next week. John and I will both be covering the uh, Wolves draft on Thursday night. Uh, thanks again to our producer Brandon Morton. Thanks for listening to TalkNorth.com. Thanks again to TSR Injury Law and All Energy Solar. Uh, so you've known. Tim Connolly for a long time. You've followed him for a long time. Now he's been here officially, at least for a little while. Uh, what about him and his history informs what the Wolves might do this week? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that um, the biggest thing that is to think about with Tim Connolly, and he's you know he's got a couple of his his guys, quote unquote, in here um, to to kind of start the transformation of this front office, but he is absolutely a dyed in the wool scout, a, you know, a, a guy who loves to watch players, watch film, debate players, and really dive in to this whole process, which is 
and he told me this a couple of weeks ago, he really likes their options at 19 and at 40, the first pick in the second round that they have. Um, and, and so when, it, when, when a guy like that, when a scout like that, who really prides himself on identifying talent, finding the right fits, getting the right people in here says to me that, uh, that he really likes these picks. I think it's less likely that he uses 19 or 40 in a trade situation to, kind of upgrade the roster right now from a veteran standpoint. I don't think it's unlikely at all, but I think it's less likely because I think that he believes that he can find real talent that can be rotation players in a year or two with those spots. And when you do that, you open up your options from a team building standpoint to a remarkable degree because he knows Carl Anthony Towns is going to get this super max contract in July. Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels are going to be due for big extensions in the next couple of years. They are going to be paying a lot of salary to their very high-end guys. And so if you can find players later in the first round and in the second round to be rotation guys for you on very cheap contracts, like that's an essential part of team building, especially in a Minnesota market that probably does not want to pay the luxury tax unless you're going for, you know, you're in the final four, uh, it, you know, of the NBA playoffs and really, and really have those aspirations. So I think that he really does. And it's not like lip service. I think he really likes some possibilities, both at 19 and 40. And so I think it would take a great deal for him to part, especially with 19, um, because he can see he has, has a track record of hitting on those picks and he really feels familiar with this class and what's going to be available to them there. Good stuff from John. It's going to be a fun week. Uh, the Timberwolves have become just a fascinating franchise to follow, which is very rewarding for everybody who likes NBA basketball. Uh, we didn't even get to the NBA Finals uh, because it's kind of old news compared to all the other stuff. We will continue to talk about uh, NBA issues, Timberwolves draft, Timberwolves potential trades here on the John Krasinski Show. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.